Welcome to the If She Did It podcast. I'm your host, Becky Sagan, a business coach for beginner online entrepreneurs. Consider this podcast your go-to guide for all things scaling your business to your first 10K months. Get ready to be inspired through marketing, mindset, spirituality, and the stories of successful frempreneurs. I'm so excited to have you here. Now let's dive in. Welcome back to the If She Did It podcast. I am so excited for this week's episode. I have my friend Kara on the show and she is just honestly such a badass. She has built such an amazing coaching business while working full-time for LinkedIn and it's just such an inspiration for those of you who are still working a nine-to-five while building your business and I was so excited to have her on the podcast. Now before we dive into her episode, I did want to talk to you guys quickly about this thing called ethics. Now this is only going to be a minute or two but it's very important. So those of you who have been following me for a while probably know how important ethics are in business to me and having ethical standards and holding your clients up to expectations, but also my clients being able to hold me up to a certain standard of expectations based on ethics that I stand for and my values and my morals and my boundaries. So something that's really an issue in the online coaching and just service-based space is a lack of ethics, a lack of morals. And you know, we've seen it a lot recently with plagiarism and with people just fear-mongering through their marketing and just being really shady, if we're being completely honest. And my friend Ashley and I have noticed this recently, and it's been an issue. We've been talking on ethics for a very long time now um, on Instagram Lives, really since last fall. And we finally decided to release a live workshop-style masterclass that is happening this Saturday, March 27th, but there will be a replay for those of you who value ethics but cannot show up live. Um, And it's an amazing workshop where we are going to teach you all about ethics. We're going to teach you about how to embody your ethical standards in your business. We're going to help you build out your own personalized business's code of ethics on the workshop together, along with a lot more, including how to put your ethical standards into your content. And we are so excited about it to, and we're so excited to start holding each other accountable to be better to be better online, to be better in business. Ashley, over the weekend, did a poll and found that 97% of her audience feels that it's important for a business, especially in the online space, to have a code of ethics. And yet out of that 97%, only 48% of them actually had a code of ethics. So we're seeing that there's a gap here and we need to shift it. And we need you to prioritize this, to hold this standard for the entire industry. So the link will be in the show notes to grab your ticket for this masterclass. It is so important to us. We are so excited about it. And it's going to be between two to three hours and it's gonna be so valuable, so transformational. And you're going to walk away with your code of ethics already written. It's not like you're going to walk away and then have to do work. The work's gonna be done in the three, in the two to three hours together. So really amazing, we're really excited about it. But with that being said, I will um, get the interview started so that you all can enjoy Kara and her genius knowledge. Um, So with that, let's dive into this week's episode of the If She Did It podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Kara. I'm really excited to have you. 
I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I would love to just dive right on in and have you share your story of entrepreneurship with the community, share who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I had never planned to be an entrepreneur at all. So right now I am a business coach and strategist and I help people start, grow and scale online. Um, specializing really in confidence building, marketing, and sales, but I also work full-time at LinkedIn. So how I have a full-time coaching business and I still consult at LinkedIn, that's kind of been my thing in terms of I help people juggle both, whether that's a family, corporate, uh, another business, whatnot. But how I got started was probably about three years ago. So when I, well, maybe even four, if you count the very, very beginning, because of course we all screw up a million times and have no idea what we're doing, right? Um, but I was living in San Francisco and I was consulting for LinkedIn there for a few years. I got an opportunity to move to London and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to you know, go to Paris and eat croissants and drink great wine and fall in love with men with accents. It's going to be amazing. And once I got to England, I had really bad health issues. So it was literally like within two months of landing, um, chronic fatigue. I actually now fast forward, figured out I had mold poisoning and breast implant illness. So yeah, it was, it was all the things, but anyways, I had no idea what was happening at the time. Cause I was super, super healthy, very active. So at that point, when I lost really working and working out, that was my identity. All I knew was how to like work a lot and work out a lot. And so I really had to, I turned to personal development and I'm like, okay, what else can I do one to get myself up off the couch and two that could give back in some way, shape or form. And so the only thing I had ever loved was health, health working out. So I became a certified health coach, took 12 months, got a certification, figured, okay, I'm going to start my online brand. I'm going to do health coaching. I dabbled in some network marketing. And then very quickly, I'm like, this is not my jam. Like, you know, when you have so many chronic health issues, losing weight and helping people lose weight is the last thing that is top of mind for you. So I then looked at my other skill set, which was LinkedIn and consulting and social, the world of social media for so long. And that's when I really pivoted and shifted into helping other people take their skills and bring them online. So it's been a journey. That is a journey. I feel like you just like stopped and I'm like, I, I was like ready to listen to you tell like this super long story about like, I don't know why I just felt like you, um, you're a good storyteller. That's what it is. Oh, and well, so thank I you. Like, I mean, it was, that was really the how now how it's <laughs> progressed over the years. I'm in Australia now. Um, so I built this business, of course, as I mentioned, while juggling, but also while go, like moving across the country, while traveling to one to two new countries every month when I was in England. So figuring out time management and how to do all the things in limited time, um, I want to say is my secret sauce, but it's still never easy, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. So what led you to Australia? This is like, I just would love to know this because I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, first of all, want to travel and live all over the place. But second of all, I'm just obsessed with Australia. And if I could, I would live there right now. So I'm so curious. Oh, oh Becky, I'm obsessed too. But again, another funny thing is I had, I, I visited Australia, Sydney specifically about two years ago when I was launching a product at LinkedIn. 
And I loved it. I was like, this is like Southern California, but better where it was cleaner. They have the best, as we call it here, brekkie. They have the best breakfast in the world. Like it was just luxe. But I said to my boss at the time, like, I'll never move there just because it's too far. I'd already been living in England for years. And I said, it's just too far from everything, life, right? Um, but I just felt very at home here. Like, I've never felt ever actually any place in the world at home. And when I was in England of August of last year, my health was just getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, I was just praying about it. And I said, okay, God, I need you to open, close doors ASAP. I can't do this anymore. If you want me to move home to my parents' basement, fine. Like that is what I will do. Just, just help me be healthy finally. And I kid you not the next day I found out that I had horrible mold in my house. I told my landlord and they didn't want to deal with it. And they kicked me out. So talk about a door closing. And I said, you know what? I don't belong in England anymore. I need to be somewhere. Once I, once once you have mold in your body, you actually have to detox it and you need to be in warm, bright environments. So you actually start to feel better. So at that point, all I kept dreaming about and praying about was somewhere warm and sunny and feeling good and running on the beach again. And that was the vision I held. So I just held that vision. I didn't know how I thought I was going to be Southern California. And I talked to LinkedIn. I was like, Hey, I need to move to Southern California. This is pre COVID. So people didn't work remote everywhere. And they're like, eh. We don't have, that's not possible right now. And I'm like, okay, I'm just holding the faith that something is going to happen. I'm going to be somewhere warm and sunny. It's going to be Southern California, but I'll let go of the where, but it's just going to be like that. And I kid you not within a few weeks, I guess it's like, like the power of manifestation, right? Within a few weeks, my director calls me and she's like, Hey, I know you want to move home. It's your time to move back to the U S but we have a secret project we can't tell anyone about your boss doesn't even know in Sydney, Australia. Do you want to take on this role? Now, mind you, LinkedIn never, ever, ever has roles in Sydney, Australia. Our APAC headquarters is in Singapore. And I was like, absolutely not, I'm not moving to Singapore. And this like wonderful, weird opportunity comes up in Sydney. And at first I'm like, no, I don't want it. I wanted to move home in my like little human brain. I was like, no, I'm moving home and I don't want to be far away. I'm like mid thirties. I don't want to start over again. And then I just let go of it. Cause that was what I was, had been praying for somewhere warm where I could heal and be healthy. And so LinkedIn actually moved me over here for a special project. Long story short, but that, that's yeah. a good story though. That's amazing. And I love that. So you know, you said before a lot, you like to say that your special sauce is some part of it is like the time management, the organization with traveling and all of that. So I can only imagine with the few clients that I've had that are in Australia and time zones, how difficult it is with time zones. So how do you manage that? Because I know that a lot of people get really stressed out in their coaching business, especially in the beginning with trying to um, like satisfy all of their clients' needs and figuring out time zones, especially for a group program type of thing where they're just like, I have no choice but to work on a Sunday and that's the last thing I want to do or whatever it is. So how do you manage the time zone stuff? Yeah, it's so I also very much pride myself on creating global community. And so I, I want to be really respectful and mindful of everyone. And, but at some point you actually can't just make all the hours work. Um, and I have clients all over the world. 
So what I've had to do is be very rigid, rigid and strict in my schedule. And it actually kind of works out. So I've become a morning person since moving here and I have all my calls and whatnot. Um, my mornings before really before I have to start work and before everyone else in like any of my Asia Pacific markets wake up. So it becomes a morning game, um, which is not, I'm not gonna lie. It's not the funnest. You don't really always want to wake up and just like hop on a podcast or hop on a call, but I've just had to train myself to be like, this is my pockets of time. This is what's going to help the masses more. So I just had to make it work. And then I batch a lot of my time. So I'll have one week of all my mastermind calls, for example. And then the next week might be for podcasts. So like you and I are batching podcasts. I did podcasts yesterday, podcasts um, today. And then it does require sometimes working on Saturday because my Monday, I'm in the future. So my Monday is everyone's Sunday. And so like, that is what it is. And then maybe I can have a quieter Monday. So it definitely, you have to be flexible as you're growing a global brand, but also um, flexible, but rigid, if that makes sense. Rigid with your schedule, but also flexible around it too. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, it just, it has to work. So you figure out a way, even though you don't necessarily love doing mornings, it just has to work. And that just plays to this idea that if we want to start a business and build a business, we sometimes have to take, make sacrifices. And that's just part of it. You know, I think a lot of people speak to this dream of like, um, this bizarre digital nomad dream of like working on a beach where personally, I want to like lay out on a beach and like work on, work at a desk. I don't know about you, but um, you can't see the screen. I hate everyone with their pictures on a beach. You can't see the screen people. You really can't. I've tried before and I'm like, how do people do this? I don't understand. But um, yeah, I think that so many people make it seem like you just get to, you know, live by all of your own rules and you don't have to worry about anybody else. And, you know, if you do, then like you're not living your business dream or anything. But sometimes we do have to make sacrifices for our business, for our clients. And I think it's just like a real little piece of reality. But at the same time, if you do what you love, you get over it and you have a good morning because you get to be on client calls or doing whatever it is that you love to do. Totally. And sometimes you have to like pump yourself up or find motivation or give yourself like what I love is give yourself a juicy reward. So I go down to, um, I got this gym that's a 10 minute walk from me that overlooks the water and it just, just to be in there and that energy. And I'm like, okay, now I get to go to the gym. And even if I don't go and work out, I just get to go look at the ocean and that's like stunning and beautiful to me. So what like little juicy rewards can you give yourself when, when you do something? And the fact of the matter is if it wasn't juggling time zones or if it wasn't juggling a, a you know, a crazy career as well, it would be juggling something. There's no such thing as like no sacrifice at all. So it's just how we view it. Yeah. That's such a good point. So with juggling oh, job and your business, um, like, first of all, when you realize like, oh, my business is taking off, like I'm really running like a full on business here. And you were still working at LinkedIn. Like what was the moment where you were like, holy crap, I need to figure, figure stuff out and put some like organization or whatever it is you do in your schedule to make it all work. Um, where was that point where you were like, wait, what I'm doing right now isn't working and something needs to shift. So it was actually when I took the job in Australia. So a little over a year ago, I told my boss, I was like, um, I will give you a little bit over a year for this contract, but at the same time, I will be growing my business. And I like very, very transparent in that. And so I, but I think mentally for me, it was like, okay, if I have 
a year to get this thing fully. So my thing was like, I'm going to replace my corporate salary. I want to exceed it before I like take the leap of faith and go in. So that was a very mental thing for me. And I said, okay, well then I know I need to do certain things. And therefore I had to outsource a lot. I mean, my VA at some points was like 80 hours or so. Right. But I couldn't be my business that much. So hired a, a full team around that. Um, having in someone to come in from project management standpoint, rip apart my business, put everything into SOPs and like, you know, really standardizing that. And then, yeah, I think it, it really was that taking of the job and knowing I was going to have to rejig everything. And, but it was also giving myself that timeline. I love a good timeline. I love some good goals. So yeah, there's just a lot. Like once I took that, it was like, okay, this is make or break. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And I think it's, I think it's really cool to hear that you hired team members and really hired like a full on team to help you build this business. Um, because I think that a lot of people have this perception of like, I can't go full time in my business until I'm at, I at least meet my corporate salary in my business, but I also can't get any help in my business until I go full time and I'm making at least my corporate salary. So they're just sitting there trying to figure out how are these other people doing it when in reality, they just don't realize they're missing a massive piece, which is their team. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. Um, (laughs) because it's, it's like one of those things, you know, um, when I lose 10 pounds, then I'll feel help, you know, happier. Then I'll go buy the things. Right. But the fact of the matter is if you don't free up time, you can't create a six or multiple six figure business in what, five hours a week. Right. And so it takes truly a leap of faith to say, okay, I'm going to take this much money going out of the business. That's okay. Even if it's not fully coming in right now, at least in my opinion, to know if I can free up 80 hours a month, imagine what revenue that can start bringing in. So, and I even think of it now as like, okay, like to be a seven figure business, what do I need to hire? And that might mean breaking even for a few months or whatever it might be, but that like getting that system, that team in place, what will, what's the potential that it can free up, but it's scary as hell, right? It's scary every single time, but it's just sometimes what we have to do. It really is. And I think that, I think that that's something else that a lot of people sometimes forget with online businesses. Um, And I always kind of use this parallel of when somebody opens a brick and mortar, they're taking so much risk. They have to put so much money out there before they make a single sale, like any sale, they need to actually have the products on the shelves. They're putting, they have to like hire branding because you need a logo if you're going to be a brick and mortar somewhere. Like there's so many things that they need to hire out without an option from the jump. Whereas when you shift into the online space, because it's like, if you really wanted to and burnt yourself out, you probably maybe could do it on your own for a little while. People have this mindset of like, I'm going to build this business on my own without spending a dime. And they they have a hard time with this idea of spending any money, whether it's on a coach or outsourcing or whatever it is. So I think that that's such a good point of like, sometimes you, it's as scary as it is, you do need to make those, uh, like take those leaps and, and tr- put trust in yourself and in your vision to like, give it a try and make that money back and then some. Yeah, it is funny to think that, oh, I'm going to invest no money in this thing because it's online. And it's like, no, you still need the logo, the photo shoot, the, all the, the coach. The, there's so much that goes into it. It doesn't mean you need it all the time or all at once, but 
just the mindset that this business isn't going to cost you anything, I think is, is, is crazy time. Like we have to keep investing not only in that, like kind of marketing brand side of things, but also in our own skills. Mm-hmm. And like, that gets to be the fun part. Again, it's scary, but you invest in the, either like the coach, the business coach, the sales coach, but also then you figure out more of a niche for yourself and you invest in that skill set. So that might be more mindset. That might be, I don't know, more like something else around your modality. So it will be constant investing constantly. I don't see a, a year that goes by where you don't have like a really big budget of investing in some way, shape or form, but how do we like, let that be fun? How do we let that be easy? And no, it's just part of the game. Yeah. And I think that it's really a matter of slowly proving it to ourselves. You know, we have to take a, we have to take a chance on ourselves and take a bet on ourselves. And I know so many people that get so scared. And I talk to so many potential clients that get so nervous and they're like, well, I'm not making money yet. I don't understand how I can invest. But a lot of times that's what, as scary as it is, I did it. Like that's when you have to do it because you don't know how to make money. You have a skill, but you don't know how to market and sell that skill. Um, but I mean, I, cannot count on my fingers and toes how much money I've invested in my business since I started two and a half years ago. Totally. <laughs> totally. Don't really want to, but it's, it's, it's up there for sure. But then, you know, and it's not always the ROI in your first year, but it's the momentum. Once you build that brand, once you build that following that comes sometimes in year two and three. And that's when like, I really believe quantum leaping really comes into play. Yeah, I agree. And that's the same thing. Like, you know, even if you invest the level where you break even in your business and you can at least afford in your first year or two to like pay your bills, right? Like that's still a lot more than most brick and mortar shops can say in their first couple of years. It usually takes so long to be in the green in a business like that. So you're still ahead of the curve. I just think that um, starting a business or the concept of starting a business seems so attainable now, which I love and it should be, but people don't necessarily realize all that goes into building that business. Totally. The name of the game is just becomes resilience. Mm-hmm. Like knowing it, it gets, it's going to be hard, but how do you make it easy in your own like mindset and your own daily practice and just not giving up? Like you will make it if you just don't give up, but most people just give up too soon. Yeah. It's so true. I see so many people that give up right at the beginning, right before it's going to get good. They've already given up. And I'm like, dang, you were so close. Um, but anyway, so you as a amazing entrepreneur while also still working a corporate job, um, what advice would you have for somebody that is in that space where they're trying to figure out how to juggle it all? Um, and they're in the, the, those beginning stages, what advice would you give to them? You're going to get frustrated um, and you're going to feel overwhelmed. And so the biggest things will just be managing both. I also think imposter syndrome will be really, really high. Like the fear of visibility and the fear of what your coworkers may say is, I don't want to um, make this sound easy because it's not, it wasn't, but you just have to get over it and like really think about how you're going to change people's lives. Um, and then like practical tips. So more mindset, like truly. And I hate saying that because I only want a strategy. I only wanted a blueprint when I got started. Right. But there's so much mindset that really goes into even like that level of resilience and, and consistency. But then I think really it is about like, how do you find your schedule? How do you find times of days that work best for you in terms of your energy and create consistency? 
even if you suck at first, show up consistently. Cause then you're going to realize, okay, my messaging sucks or my marketing sucks. <laughs> or like, I feel very uncomfortable doing IG stories. Right. But I would say like, how can you, before your work day, do the toughest things by the end of the day, we're exhausted. We promise ourselves we're going to do it. We don't do it. So then we just break trust and then it becomes this horrible, vicious cycle. And also you're, you're so mentally fatigued by your, your full-time job and maybe making dinner or kids or whatever it might be that your brain has such little capacity left by the end of the day. So do things either that are the hardest, especially around building your business, which are the newest. So it's going to be the hardest, do it first thing in the morning or do it on your lunch break. And just start to get in a rhythm, start to get in a flow the night before, make sure you document the things you have to get done. I say your three top things. They don't need to be hard. They don't need to be long, but it might just be like, okay, do stories today. And three top things every day scheduled the night before, and just start to make it non-negotiable, start to make it literally part of your routine in the same way as it would be to like have breakfast or have coffee. Yeah. I love that. And as I was listening to that, to you answer that question, like I just keep thinking of the clients that I have and have had in the past who are trying to balance the two that often just, they get really overwhelmed and they're like, I, again, like, and I know I, like my question was, how do you balance the two, which I'm just repeating what my question was out loud, but basically like for somebody that is just like consistently, they tr- let's say they try those things and they're just consistently like feeling overwhelmed or just like, how am I going to manage all of this? Or they start doubting. Would you say that it really comes back to that rigid- rigidity, rigidness, rigidness <laughs> that you mentioned at the beginning of just like, so sometimes you just have to like essentially put your foot down and say, if this is what I want, I'm going to have to show up for myself. Or w- is there any other like activity or suggestion that you would give as well? Um, now not everyone does really great with a rigid schedule. I personally do. And I find that most of my clients do because it's just something new. So it's like anything we have to do it for at least like give it 30 days, like show up, do the same things for 30 days. And eventually then it gets easier. Eventually it becomes a habit. So I do think it is having that like rigidness around revenue generating activities, the non-negotiable things that have to get done, have your time day exact tasks that have to get done. Um, the other part I think is more probably more a mindset thing to dig into is if you're not doing it, why? And like, where's the resistance coming up? And so that's the biggest thing. It's like, okay, I'm not showing up doing content. Well, why is that? And just asking yourself why even five times deep to what usually comes up. It's like, okay, well, I don't feel good enough or I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have clear message. I don't, I fear it. Like I fear what people are going to say. And once you find where the resistance and that hesitation is coming up, it's only then that you can change it. But it's, gosh, it's really creating a lot of self-awareness in yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So my closing question for you, um, this is something that I love to ask everybody that comes on to the show. So for somebody that's listening, that's in the beginning stages of their business, or they are thinking about starting a business, but there's something that's like holding them back. What would be your advice to them? What would you want to say to them? Businesses work in 90 day cycles. And so what happens are most people change their strategy or they feel frustrated 
and that might be like eight weeks in. Well, nothing really happens eight weeks in. It happens 90 days in, but most people give up or change. And so just knowing, okay, if I can stick through it and be really consistent for 90 days only, right? Maybe you don't think in, in terms of a year, or even six months, you're like for 90 days, I'm going to build, I'm going to do the thing. And no matter what, I'm just going to do it. Just know that you're going to see it really start to like come to life in month four and let that be okay. But I truly, truly believe there's so many times I wanted to give up. There were so many times I felt total imposter syndrome, not good enough. And it, it was just about keeping going. And so I kept thinking, okay, well, how do I just go on a 98 day cycle? And that really just helped me push it through instead of thinking like really, really, um, really, really in advance. And then like my other thing is just the belief in yourself. And you mentioned this earlier, like how do you give yourself evidence constantly that this is working? So instead of saying, okay, looking for evidence all the time that it's not working, no one engaged me, no one wrote back to me, no one this, no one that. What if you look for evidence every day and you go out and seek it that it is working? Okay, one person wrote back to me today. It was my aunt, but that's okay. My aunt knows someone, right? And it's looking for evidence of the good versus the bad. That was the biggest thing that's changed my business. Mm, I feel like that is such good advice. And honestly, like every time that I thought about giving up the next month, once I like smack myself a couple of times and said, get over yourself, just do it. The next month is always one of my best months in business. Honestly, it's like you, you just, you're getting so exhausted. You're just so over it. And then you're like, suck it up. Let's do this. We got this. And then all of a sudden it all kind of clicks into place. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Well, Kara, thank you so much for being here today. I loved hearing your story, having you on the podcast. Um, my, I guess my final, final question, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. They can find me at Kara Baroni. That's C-A-R-A or here in Australia, they call me Cara. So whatever you prefer, um, mostly on Instagram and yeah, start there. That's come say hi, drop some hearts. And then you can find me on all the other socials, but that's the one I'm most active on. Perfect. Well, thank you again for being here today. As always, what an amazing episode, right? So I hope you all enjoyed this, especially you nine to fivers. And if you have not already, it would mean the world to me for you to subscribe and leave a review of those podcasts. Let me know you're loving it. Let me know if there's anything you want me to record an episode on. I would love to do that for you all. And yeah, I just really hope you enjoyed it. And do not forget to check out the ethics masterclass. It's called Don't Be Trash. And it's an amazing, amazing opportunity for you all to learn how to fully embody your ethical standards and build out a code of ethics so that you don't have to worry about the icky stuff that can go on in this industry. Um, and you don't have to worry about you know, people doubting your ethics because you have it point blank right there what they are. So we hope to see you in that masterclass. Again, link is going to be in the show notes to grab that and the links to connect with Kara as well as myself will be there as well. And with that, I will see you all on next week's episode of the If She Did It podcast.